This morning's reading comes from the 17th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses, <clears throat> Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And they were coming down, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. So everyone else in my family besides me is a vegetarian, which is really funny because their favorite restaurant across all three women in my family is Red Robin, a hamburger restaurant. But the reason why they love Red Robin so much is you can order anything on the menu and substitute a Impossible Burger or a Veggie Burger or a Boca Burger. Um, I don't know what any of those things are but they get really excited about it. And I usually go to Red Robin twice a year. Uh, whenever one of my daughters has a birthday, they have to go to Red Robin, which is funny because it's the same mac and cheese and mandarin oranges. They could order just about anywhere, but somehow going to Red Robin twice a year is just something really special that's become uh, this kind of ironic tradition in our family. So about six weeks ago, uh, I found myself up in Trussville uh, taking my family to Red Robin for their dinner. But across the restaurant, when I sat down at our table, uh, I noticed this gentleman uh, just maybe three or four tables away. A uh, young black man, 30s, had a beard, black jacket, and he was uh, eating uh, his dinner with a woman. And, and I didn't recognize him. But, but I felt like maybe I knew him. Y'all ever get that feeling? There's just some familiarity there that just kind of didn't really come out when I kind of glanced over at him. But, but something really strong was telling me uh, that there's a story between us of some kind. And, and it kind of just kept gnawing at me. And I, I glanced over it one or two other times and um, and I kind of felt like maybe he was glancing at me when I wasn't glancing at him. You get into that kind of like weird thing, like, okay, now we're just getting socially awkward. <laughs> you know, now it's kind of turning into something else at this point of uh, just really wrestling with how I knew this guy. And, 
Eventually, after about, uh, you know, a, a couple minutes, once the drink orders came and stuff like that, I was like, I need, let, let me put my full attention kind of with my family, right? Kind of into this singular moment that I'm kind of sharing uh, with the girls and with Julia. Um, but it just kind of kept turning in the back of my head that there is something about that guy. Didn't recognize him, don't know him, but just something is there. And right about as we kind of gave our order and we started uh, eating our, our pretzel bites with the, uh, uh, the, the, the kind of cheese that comes with it. Y'all ever got that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just unbelievable. So all my attention's on that pretzel bite. And all of a sudden, my watch buzzes. And I get a message from one of my soldiers. And before I ever even looked at who it was from, before I even saw the name, I knew exactly who that guy was. Without ever even looking up to him, I stood up from the table, started walking in that direction, looked up, and he was already halfway across walking towards me as well. And we just embraced in the middle of the restaurant, slapping each other on the back like, like, like two military guys do, right? And, and just in that moment, I knew exactly who he was. And he was one of the most inspiring people that I'd ever met in my life over the period of a six-year journey that we had kind of walked through life together. But we had actually only seen each other face-to-face -face maybe three times. The first time was in the middle of the night when I was helping bail him out of jail. And we were talking about what life feels like when you hit rock bottom. The second time was at Fort Hood when he was coming back from his deployment to the Middle East and saying that he wanted his life to start moving in a different direction. And the third time was at restaurant in Trustville, Alabama. And have you ever seen somebody transfigured before you? Just in that moment went from a stranger to one of the closest people I've ever known in my life that I got to see God transform his life in an incredible way. And there in Trustful, we got to share a time where uh, he introduced me to uh, his wife who was there that I think I creeped out just a little bit too much. <laughs> he told me about a new job that he was starting in Atlanta, told me that he had a baby on his way. And just an incredible story of God, how, how God transformed his life. And to see him just move from uh, just a stranger to a neighbor, uh, just somebody across the restaurant, uh, to somebody who helped change my heart over about six years. In just an incredible way, God can do something incredible over a six-year journey. Over the last month, we've been preaching through a sermon series called Zoom Out, Seeing a Bigger Picture. And as we've been talking through this the sermon series, we've been really kind of talking about how sometimes when we want to make a, a move forward in our faith, we want to go deeper in our faith, sometimes one of the most faithful things and one of the best things that we can do is take a step back. Not take a step back in our faithfulness or in our grace or our compassion or what we're pouring into the world, but just take a step back in our perspective. Because God is doing stuff around the edges that we missed so often when we're zoomed right in on just what's right in front of us. Whether life is going great or, such, or whether life is a struggle sometimes, we get so zoomed in on what's right in front of us sometimes that we can miss relationships, we can miss opportunities. We can get so fixated on the giants that we forget that God has a bigger story on the other side of them. 
And so today we wrap up our sermon series on zooming out, and we prepare to move next week into the season of Lent. Of all the lessons that we've kind of pulled out of this last year, what's something, what's a perspective that I gained over the last month that I can now take into the season of Lent and say, God, how can I go another step further? How can I take that reflection? How can I take that perspective to build deeper relationships, to make bigger impacts, to explore my faith in a way that takes me outside of my comfort zone and more into the story of what you're doing in our world? I got to experience a transfiguration. I got to experience uh, the testimony that God is still in the transformation business in a restaurant in Trustville over this period of about six years. And it just allowed me to take a step back to realize that God is always up to something. Whether I'm noticing or not, God is working around the edges And God did that over a period of six years. But God can also do some incredible things in six days as well. In our scripture reading this morning, we come to a fairly famous story in the Gospels of Jesus' transfiguration. A little mysterious. It's it's almost a secret story. Kind of has that tagline right at the end that as they're coming down from the mountain, Jesus is like, you know, you probably shouldn't tell everybody about this. And in fact, he didn't even take all the disciples up there with him. He only took Peter, he took James, and he took John. He only took a handful of the disciples up onto the top of that mountain. But before Jesus took the disciples up onto that mountain, Jesus had been up to something in the teaching, in the ministry, in the healing, up around the northern part of Israel, up in Galilee. And Jesus had actually kind of taken a turn in his teaching in the chapter right before this, where all of a sudden his teachings getting a little bit harder. It's getting a little bit deeper. And he begins sharing some of the more scary, anticipating, kind of terrifying events that might be on the horizon for him and the disciples. In fact, he shares with them that the Son of Man, him, is going to go through tremendous suffering. Even at the point that he's going to be killed. He's going to be raised three days later, but the disciples, they, they only know kind of what's in front of them. They're, they're, they're not kind of tuned into resurrection. And no matter how many times Jesus tells them about the resurrection, we can see through the Gospels that that's never really a thing that they can grasp. They even struggle with it after the resurrection. And so all they really kind of hang on to in those moments is death and loss and grief to the point that Peter kind of takes Jesus to the side and says, Lord, this cannot happen. Do you know what Jesus says to Peter? He doesn't say it's going to be all right. He doesn't say just wait until it happens and see how it turns out. In fact, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You have your mind set on human things instead of divine things. And in fact, he goes even further. If you think my suffering is going to be difficult, just imagine that your call as a disciple is that you're going to have to pick up a cross and follow me. And that if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it as well. And if you lose your life, then you're going to gain it in me. These are tough, 
tough teachings. You can imagine, this is the point in maybe some of the disciples' journey, if some of the disciples are kind of like me, where they're going, I'm not sure how much further I can go. Because now we're talking about death, we're talking about loss, we're talking about the end of some stories here. But then the scripture that we started today begins six days later. Six days later, Jesus takes the one he just called Satan. He takes the one that was the stumbling block. He takes three disciples and he goes up on top of the mountain. And they witness something that blows their mind. They get a glimpse in the moment on top of that. They get a glimpse of a transfiguration, but they get a glimpse of Jesus in all of Jesus' glory. A glimpse of what all of these promises that Jesus is talking about, what they look like when they're fulfilled. Jesus talking with Moses. Jesus talking with Elijah. Jesus in all of the power and all of the promise of everything that we've been hoping for, just, just clothed in glory in front of them. And they go with almost six days before that kind of resisting and saying, Jesus, these things can never happen to all of a sudden saying, Jesus, can we stay up here forever? Can I make some dwellings for us? Can I make some tents for you? Can we just stay up here a little bit longer? Just imagine that journey in faith that happened over just those six days when all that Peter and those disciples got was just a glimpse To see Jesus transfigured in front of them, transformed who they were. You see, life can almost feel like sometimes that it gets piled up. That the things that we're hoping for and waiting for just don't seem to unfold the way that we've pictured them. And so we, like Peter, uh, whether we're kind of down in the valley telling Jesus that things don't happen this way or or up on the mountain saying, hey, Jesus, I've got another idea. We, we keep giving God suggestions. We keep giving God a little bit more of our input. And you say, you know what would make this story even better? My ideas. My way. In a way that I would like to see this unfold. And Jesus says, but you've seen the end of the story. And this is a story that catches you up in it as well. The words that God spoke over Jesus on the top of that mountain. This is my son, the beloved, one who I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Those words echo back to something earlier too, don't they? They sound a little bit familiar if we've read the Gospel of Matthew. In fact, they're pretty much the exact same words that God spoke over Jesus When he emerged from the waters of his baptism. The very same waters of the baptism of the river Jordan. That baptized hundreds and thousands of people that have come before and after Jesus. To repent because the kingdom of God was near. And the very same echoes over the words of baptism that so many of us have encountered as well. Because the moral of this story is. Is that we are caught up in the very same story that Jesus is. We are caught up in the very same kingdom and the very same eternal drama that God is drawing all of us into a future that is going to be made new. 
to where all of the plans and all of the thoughts and all of the input that we have had about how we can make this world better by making it look like us, God says, just wait and see what the world, what the world looks like when I make it look like me. A place of grace and of love and of hope and of mercy. And as much as the disciples want to stay back up on top of that hillside, Jesus says it's time to go back down into the valley and start doing some work. Because you've had a glimpse. You've had a glimpse of what the promises of God look like. That this is as true, that this is as gospel, that this is as real as it gets. That there is hope that there is eternity, that there are things that last forever, and that is the very life of God, and it is here with us today. And that wraps us up in a story that is so much larger than ourselves and carries us into grace and mercy. We see some of those glimpses around us. We might not see Jesus shining bright in all the glory and Moses and Elijah sitting on top of the mountaintop having dinner with him. But you've seen hope glimpse around you. You've seen what grace and compassion can do to change a situation in a moment. What it looks like where we go from doubt to all of a sudden hope, where we become a part of something bigger than ourselves. It can transform not just a moment, not just a situation, but it can transform our lives, can't it? We can move from hardship to hope in a second. It can happen anywhere all around us. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be those that have now seen the signs of hope, that have seen grace and mercy and experienced what those mean in our lives, and we can begin sharing them with others as well. Because Jesus came back down off that mountain, and the disciples began to get to work. And all of a sudden, the, the fear of the loss, of the dread, of the, the fear of what was coming next, all of a sudden that didn't seem to be as great as it was before. Now, there was still some worry. There was some doubt, and there were some struggles through the, the rest of the pages of the books. But ultimately, they kept moving forward into the story that God was sweeping them up in. One of hope, and of mercy, and of life. For some, it happens over a period of maybe six years. Maybe for some, transformation is 60 years. Maybe for some, like in the Gospels, it was six days. Maybe here today, it can even just be six seconds of realizing that God is here with us. And then we get to see something deeper and more beautiful and more captivating than anything we've ever imagined. And that we get to be a part of that story, that outpouring of grace for the world. Six days later. Sometimes we feel like life is as good as it gets and it's never going to change. But the gospel truth is that life does nothing but change. Because God is making all things new. And we get to be a part of it. Amen, amen. and amen. Will you bow your heads and pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. 
Lord, we give you thanks for your word. God, we give you thanks uh, for the fact that you show up for us. God, that not only are you transfigured for the disciples, but God, that you show up around us all the time with glimpses of your hope and your glory. God, that you are here with us today. And you told the disciples that they couldn't stay up there together, that we have to come back down and take those small glimpses and begin to share them with others. Because we know that there's something better coming, Lord, that there's something more to see, and we get to be a part to share that grace and that hope and that life with the world. And to see transfigurations and transformations keep coming again and again. As we're a part of your work and your story, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.